It's a good morning, isn't it? Uh, I want to start with a little bit more good news um, and a thank you as well. Um, for, uh, on behalf of, I'm Duncan, by the way, I'm one of the elders here, um, and uh, that's not the good news, don't worry. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> um, just on behalf of the, the eldership team, um, just a, a big thank you for pledging over the last two, two weeks. We've had our pledge days. Um, far more than just the money that's coming in, it, we know that it represents hearts that are moved by Jesus, and, and it's just a privilege to be part of a church who love Jesus, want to obediently follow him, um, and probably the biggest encouragement um, that I'm sure will encourage you is the, the number of new givers that we had. So a 15% increase in the number of givers, um, which again, we know that represents uh, hearts that, that want to step out and, and radically and obediently and sacrificially follow him. So um, thank you all for uh, your own contribution in that. Can we just give uh, God a round of applause for that? So... As Ben said at the top, we're finishing off our, uh, our Father series today. Um, and so rather than giving like a summary of the whole thing, I thought today would be good for a bit of a kind of practical outworking and application to the series. So um, if you've got a notebook, hopefully it'll get nice and full this morning um, and you've got some stuff to take home with you. So we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 7, um, verse 7 to 11, and I'll be reading from the ESV version and you can follow on the screens. I won't be reading from the ESV version. I'll be reading from the NIV version. (laughs) Old habits die hard. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now this includes in it, right at the end there, a rather tantalizing prospect that if we go to our Father in heaven, he will give us good things. This is a particularly tantalizing prospect if you happen to have promised your wife a luxury holiday in Mauritius. <laughs> this is, and I have no recollection of this promise, but apparently, <laughs> a long time ago, it must have been ages ago, I said to her, when I turn 30, I will take you on a luxury holiday to Mauritius. And it must have been at a time where I basically thought, that day will never come. (laughs) But it occurred to me this week, in a a month's time, I am turning 29, um, which, if you know anything about numbers, is pretty close to 30. (laughs) And I kind of need my Heavenly Father to come through on this, because I've been on those holiday websites. It's not cheap. (laughs) So we'll see. But we all know that's not how it works, right? All of us have been there where we have asked God for something and we haven't received it. So then how can we make sense of this verse? Well, as always with the Bible, it helps to get the scenery of everything that's going on. And so the first thing to notice is that this is midway through one of Jesus' sermons. So we are like interrupting Jesus mid-flow and just looking at a portion of a whole sermon that he delivered. Now, that's okay, 
But we just have to be aware that that is exactly what we're doing. And so we can't just pull it out and make it mean holiday in Mauritius, um, however much we might want it to. <laughs> but I think even more, uh, even more important than that, that, in this case, to understand what's going on is to understand who Jesus is talking to. And at the beginning of the sermon, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, we read that Jesus is talking to his disciples, his closest followers. And these are now his closest followers and his most devoted people. But literally just a few short weeks ago, they were just four blokes on a boat. Four men just at work, doing what men at work do. Talking about fantasy football, talking about where they're going to go for a drink after work, after they clean their nets. They were just men. And they were not waiting for their life to be interrupted. They were just going about the rhythm and the everyday and the mundanity of life, just going through it. And they had their whole life set up. But then Jesus turned up. And if you know the story, it just took three words to get them to leave everything they had. Come, follow me. And they just, the, everything that they had, they're just like, well, I'll, I'll leave that and I'll follow him. I'll leave what I have to go after him. And we don't have time to get into it, I would love to, but it just, that just gives you an idea of the sheer magnetism and captivating nature of Jesus. Just like the moment you see him, the moment you get a taste of him, when you see him for who he is, you'll leave everything. You'll, you'll say, by boat, by career, by family, by home, I just want to follow him. I just imagine what that was like for them, the, the, the sense of, of awe of him and the desire to him where the most sensible thing to them in that situation seemed, yeah, I'll just leave everything I've got to follow this random stranger who I've never met before. That was their reality a few weeks ago. But now, having seen Jesus at work a little bit and, and seen that he really is someone worth following, they're now sat on a mountainside listening to him. And they must be beginning and starting to process just what it is that they have done. What have I done? What have I let myself in for? Have I just thrown my life away? I've left my career that was steady. I've left my home. I've left my family to be with this man. And he seems like he's the real deal. He seems like he's legit. But there must be all sorts of questions going around in their head. How on earth is this thing ever going to work out? He doesn't seem to have like a really kind of well thought through strategic plan. We're just following this guy on faith because there seems like there's activity and life seems to be happening around him. But Jesus is so wise. Jesus knows them and he loves them. And he knows exactly what's going on in their hearts. And in this sermon, he's speaking directly into their life and directly into their circumstance. And I wonder if you might be able to relate to the disciples and think you might have made some radical, sacrificial decisions where you're thinking, no, I'm going to leave all of that behind and follow after you, Jesus. Maybe even our pledge day's just gone. In the moment, you were like, yeah, I'll give all of this. Like, I can't believe I'm so caught up in who Jesus is, and I'll put my form in the, in the box. And now we're a week on, and you're kind of thinking, 
what have I done? How is this going to work out? Is this really the best decision that I could make for my life? Is this the way that I want my life to go now? Maybe you would like to make decisions like that, but the questions that you've got running through your head is, how will this ever work out well for me? Well, Jesus knows that bold, sacrificial decisions to follow him and radically choosing to follow him and make lifestyle, major lifestyle decisions to center ourselves around him, he knows that that then leaves us feeling vulnerable and asking these kind of questions. And so if that's where you're at at the moment and you're having that kind of pledge day, ah, it's totally normal. That is, that is the, 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 the way it can go. But Jesus knows that. And so for these disciples stuck in that place and thinking that way, what Jesus does, as he so often does, is he points them in the direction of their heavenly father and says, he is the one that will provide for you. He was the one that will give you everything you need. When he says your heavenly father will provide good gifts for you, what he's saying is, look, when you make decisions to make yourself, that make you feel vulnerable, when you make decisions for my sake that make you feel exposed and like your, your safety net is gone, look how much your heavenly father will provide for you. Your heavenly father will come through for you in the material, in the spiritual, in the emotional. He will, you'll see how he isn't just kind of keeping up with you and giving you what you need, but he has gone ahead of you and he's laid the ground and he will give you everything you need to walk this life. And not just everything you need to kind of survive and scrape through, but your father will provide everything you need to live a life that is full and live a life that has purpose. And notice how he says it is a good gift. This is not a reward for good behavior. This is not a, a kind of a reward for anything else that might recommend you. And it's not a good loan. Here, I'll give you this, but you make sure you pay me back in some way, or you do this as a result of it. And it's not a good lucky prize draw that some of us in this room might be lucky enough to receive the good things from our Father. It is a good gift. A gift that is there for everybody who chooses to receive it, everybody who wants it. It's already been done. It's already ours. And the question that Jesus gets into is, all right, we have this good gift. How can we accept it? How do we get hold of it? How can we receive these good things that the Father has for us into our lives? And that is what he gets into in verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And just in case you were thinking, hmm, I hear what you're saying, Jesus. Maybe you don't mean it. He just basically repeats himself. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. 
And here, Jesus is essentially just getting really practical with his disciples, giving them some advice that they can take home and apply to their lives. What he's doing here, in essence, is encouraging his followers to establish ongoing relationship with their father through prayer. He's talking about prayer. And he's inviting us to do the same. He starts with the word ask. And I am going to start really, really, really basic here. But when you ask someone a question, if I ask Derek, Derek, which is your favorite church in Nottingham? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm speaking out. There are words coming out of my mouth. If I was to ask Derek a question and just We can come to the Father in prayer. And sometimes I think we, there's, there's a lot of value in meditating. There's a lot of value in thinking and seeking to receive and hear from the Father. But I think the very first principle that Jesus would want us to adopt in our prayers to the Father is to speak things out to him, to vocalize our prayers. Because it's amazing how much we learn about what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God, when we are forced to commit it to language and actual words. And we hear things coming out of our mouths and we think, do I really believe that? Is that really true? Is that? And it helps inform then our, our, the, our further prayers because we think, I, I believe that. Okay, well, maybe I should pray into that. Or is that really a representation? I'm saying it. Do I really believe it? I believe that my, I'm saying my father is, is so, so good and so powerful and I'll do everything he says. But do I actually believe that? It's only when we speak things out. And it does a great job of ordering your thoughts as well. You can have so much conflict and internal turmoil going on that you don't really know about. But when you start vocalizing it to your father, it starts to set it in line and help you as you continue to pray. And just a comment on the word ask... How accessible and available is our Father in heaven that all you have to do is just ask? Like wherever you are, whatever circumstance you're in, you can just start speaking to him. It is that easy. The, the first word that Jesus uses to, say, to, to invite us to start to receive and begin to experience all of the blessing and goodness that our Father in heaven has is simply just ask. Almost the most basic thing. I don't know how we could have made it easier for us. All we have to do is ask, and the Father will start to give us, and we can begin to tap into the wealth of blessing that he has. Next, Jesus moves on to seeking and knocking. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. And this is where Jesus, I guess, invites us to, to take it on to the next step, take it on to the next level. He's saying, okay, you've asked once, now ask again, and again. You think, what? I, I already asked. You already know what I want. Yeah, ask again. But why? Just ask again. Jesus is encouraging a persistence and a continual coming to him in prayer. I think we find this particular part of prayer a real challenge. I don't know if you do, I know I do. 
consistently coming to Jesus and just asking to the Father and just asking him the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. I think particularly it's a challenge because of the culture that we are in and that we're all sort of involved in in our everyday life that encourages instant results. We require instant success, a magic bullet, single, single shot answer to all of the problems that we have. Whether it's Atkins, Paleo, 5-2, I don't know what fad diet you've done, but they want instant results. You see it in football managers. They haven't got any results. They haven't changed the, the, totally transformed the results of the club and the culture of the club in 60 days. You're out, let's get the new guy in. And because this is just so part of our culture, I think it's really easy to apply that to our own personal prayer lives as well. We just think, oh, well, prayer, give it a shot for a little bit, but it's not really working, so I'll maybe try something else or move on. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous Welsh preacher, said, the most, commenting on this very passage, the most fatal thing in the Christian life is to be content with passing desires. That we, I think there's a danger that we could be content with giving prayer a go. Of it just being something that we occasionally turn to when the desire <coughs> leads us. But Jesus here is saying, no, if you want to get everything that the Father has for you, his invitation is, just keep knocking on his door. And what does knocking have? It has a rhythm. I don't, I don't really have rhythm, so I'm having to think a lot of this. But it has consistency. It has longevity. It keeps going every single time. And the reality is, if we want to follow in the footsteps that Jesus is asking us to here. He's saying, if you want to knock, you've got to actually make tangible changes to your life. These, this kind of discipline and this kind of consistency in prayer will only happen if we choose to make changes to our lives to make it happen. There's a great quote from Don Carson, um, which is, no one drifts into a disciplined prayer life. No one does. It doesn't happen by accident. And I think just considering this, I from a personal perspective, I just, I, it makes me think, there is a little part of my brain that thinks, I know I'm not the man of prayer that I want to be now, but I think there will come a day where I'll just wake up and just think, it is time. <laughs> I am ready. Now I shall pray for four hours. I know you can relate in some way. You just think, well, it will happen one day. I will become the person of prayer that I want to be. But actually, the reality is, if we don't build it into our lives, if we don't make conscious decisions to, to find our, whatever it is, our five minutes, our ten minutes, every day, every other day, every time this, the baby's napping or whatever, if we don't, we actually won't ever get to that place that we, in our heart of hearts, we really want to get to. We won't drift into it. And I think all of us, and I can totally identify with this, we can all find excuses for why we can't do it. Our schedule's a bit different or it's irregular. But from my experience, I think there's always a creative way of finding something on a regular basis with frequency 
that helps us find that place where we can consistently feel like, yes, every time this happens or every, every point in this day or this point in my week, I will pray. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about knocking. And it also means that we pray whether we feel like we're in need and desperately want the Father to come through for us or not. That's what it means to have consistency. It's not when I feel led by it or when I feel the deep anxiety or the deep need. It's just, nope, this is now part of my life. This is part of my routine. This is part of me obediently following everything Jesus wants for me. And so I suppose the thing to consider this morning is what changes might you make to your life in order to get this regular time? What might the next step look like for you? It might be starting in the first place. That's absolutely fine. It might be, oh, I have a little bit, I'll, I'll find a time to do it a bit longer, or I'll find some more regular slots in my week or in my day in order to do this. I, find it, I do find it quite amusing that essentially like all of the glory that we're talking about of our Father has gone before us, he's behind us, he's provided everything for us. And all of the gifts of heaven and the storehouses and the richness of heaven are available to us. But actually, the reality of receiving all of that into our life does essentially boil down to the mundanity of, do you have an alarm clock? Do you have a bedtime? Are you still up at 11.30 at night watching your sixth video of a cat on YouTube? <laughs> Not to pick a personal example at all. <laughs> it's those kind of questions that actually will, at the end of the day, inform whether we do really get hold of everything that the Father has for us. I find that kind of thing quite challenging. And I suppose to finish our time together, just a few principles on what should we actually ask our Father for? So we're coming to him regularly in prayer. What kind of things should we be asking him for? I think, firstly, to say on this, our Father is so much less concerned with what we pray for than he is that we are coming to him to ask him for things at all. That was a confusing sentence. Essentially, he just wants us to come. He's not so bothered about what we're asking for. He'd much rather we come and ask him for things, and ask for all sorts of nonsense, than for us to sit and wait and try and think of what is the perfect thing to ask for. He is not waiting for us to say the right thing. God is not like a smartphone where you kind of have to, you get the lock screen and you've got to tap in the right code in order to unlock him to gain access. He just wants us to come. His delight is for us to come. And when we do, he is ready and he is quick to bless us. But three principles for approaching him. I think a great starting place every single time is to ask him for more of himself. The same passage in Luke chapter 11. Um, if you then know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give, instead of good gifts, it says, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
if you're just going to ask for one thing, this is a principle for now, it's also a pr principle for Christmas. If you're just going to ask for one thing, ask for the most valuable thing and ask for the most precious thing. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for God himself to come and more richly dwell in your heart and in your soul and in your spirit. Because he is the one that will form you and shape you into the likeness of Christ. He is the one who will strengthen you and embolden you to live this life, this crazy life that God has called you to live. He's the one who will join your heart more and more with the Father and draw you into a deeper and more, a more life-giving relationship with your Father in heaven. So ask for the Holy Spirit. That is always a good starting place. Second principle, he only gives good gifts. He does not give bad gifts. And so it's not our place to agonize over, oh, should I ask for this? Should I ask for that? What if I accidentally ask for a bad thing and he gives me that? We don't have to worry because he will only give us the good things. So we can come to him and just ask for anything and if it's good for us and beneficial to us, he will give it to us. If it's not, he's so good, he'll hold it back from us. He won't give us anything that will harm us or damage us. And so we can have the freedom to think, I will just come and ask him anything. And I'd probably then just further caveat that, perhaps, with a helpful question that I like to keep in mind when I'm praying. Do I believe in my heart of hearts that it would please my father for me to have this thing? Do I think that God would be pleased if my life had this thing that I'm asking him for in it? And you might think, I have no idea, Duncan. Uh, how? Like, there's, there's such a range in between the obviously very good for me and the obviously very bad of things like in this space. Uh, I don't know if that's good for me or not. And again, we don't have to agonize over that. But the really, really wonderful thing is that the more and more we come to our Father and ask him for things and get in that place where we're just asking him for anything, 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 as we ask him, our relationship with him deepens. We understand more and more of his will. We understand more and more of his ways. And as we get more and more of the Father and we understand, it's just, just with anybody, the more time you spend with them, the more you're familiar with the things that please them and that they like. And as you do that with the Father, you'll get more and more clear on the things that he wants for you and that will inform your prayers. Final principle is this. He gives us far more than we could ever ask for. We don't have to worry about, right, I'm going to literally line up every single thing that could possibly be good for me, and I'm just going to make sure I make my way through the list. I don't want to miss out on anything. We don't have to do that, because he will give, Jesus isn't saying you'll only get the good things that you ask for. And our Father has already done way more for us than we could ever ask for. All of the, the richness, I mean, none of us asked the Father, to send his Son, who would then willingly give himself as a sacrifice that we might then be able to be joined with the Father. The very fact that we are able to approach God as Father is a, an example of how far ahead of us he has gone, how much he's provided for us already. And so we don't have to worry about making sure we ask for everything, because he'll continually, 
continually bless us. He'll bless us whether we ask him to or not. He'll give us good things whether we approach him or whether we don't. That's just his nature. But the invitation that Jesus is offering here and the question that he's asking essentially is, do you want the fullness of what the Father has for you? Do you want the full range of the goodness that he promises you? Because if you do, I mean, you've tasted, you've had a little bit of all of the the richness that is in heaven that he wants for you. He's already given you so much. Don't you want more? Rick. Uh, You can play in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just checked the clock. Next year, we're going to be beginning a new series. Uh, We'll be looking at the book of 1 Peter together. Um, And we'll be working through that carefully, passage by passage. Um, No agenda, just want to see what God has to say for us. I'm really looking forward to that series. And we'd love it if you were able to join us for it. But this brings us to an end of this series. And I hope gives a sense for you of, this is something that I can take away. Because we've learned so much about our Father, haven't we? How good he is, how as we approach God, we must be bearing in mind that he's our Father and everything that that means, how he he rewards us and has great rewards for us in the future, how he's a generous God and he's the master that we can trust. And the question that we have is, do we want to get to know this Father better? And do we want to receive all of the goodness and the richness that he has for us? Well, if you do, this is Jesus' invitation to ask your Father to seek him and to knock at his door. Let me pray for us before we finish.